Welcome to the Creative Coaching Podcast, where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Hannah Hayden. Coach Hayden is the head coach for the women's basketball program at Moberly Area Community College. We talked to her today about leaning on your mentors, how to build the right culture for your team, and to prepare players for the future by helping them to grow and develop. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Coach Hayden, uh, I'm so excited to have you on. You're our first female guest. Uh, I'm just excited about where this platform is is headed because I feel like uh, we definitely need to hear more from a lot of different people. But I think uh, the perspective, uh, not that the female perspective is so much different than the male in the coaching profession, but I felt like I wasn't uh, giving the due diligence to the platform by not having more females on or any at all. So I'm so glad you're able to join us. Uh, so real quick, Coach, I start off every episode with this question. Uh, how were you introduced to the game of basketball coming out of Springfield? So uh, my mom got me involved with basketball. Um, really, I think like second, third grade, you know, she just put me on some little rec teams. I was the only girl on the team. And it was just during that, you know, the, the leagues are short you know, at that age. So during that, whatever it is, six weeks I was playing. And then, you know, besides that, just, just being a little kid. And I think the first time I went to a, um, after school camp in like the fifth grade and the coach told my mom, when she picked me up, like, Hey, is she, is she on a summer team or anything? You know, like, I think she could be pretty good. Um, the coach had a daughter that played as well. That was around my age. So she told my mom about these tryouts, uh, for AAU team essentially. So, that's kind of where it all took off from there. I got involved. And then, you know, after that, it was every weekend, my mom and my grandparents helped a lot too, um, on the road playing, playing games all over the Midwest, um, really became an obsession from there. So I was every day after school, you know, playing, playing with the kids up the street and playing in the driveway until it got dark. I was, and you know what I was wearing to school around recess like my mom would be like I just got you these cute clothes I'm like mom <laughs> I, I have to wear this so I can play with the boys I gotta I gotta be able to play basketball at recess that's good so um you know from from there it just really took off I didn't I wasn't really ever involved in any other sports uh, just got involved with basketball at a young age and never looked back you know that's awesome what you're talking about because you uh you know have four daughters and my uh, 10 year old right now she's really gravitating towards basketball Whereas before she never, she even told me, she says, dad, I hated basketball before. And I'm thinking, no, no, you didn't meet baby. You didn't hate it. And she's like, no, I really did. And now I love it. And I'm so happy that I'm playing it because I know I'm going to be good at it. And, you know, yeah, she takes on challenges. And, and I think that's the perspective that we want every kid when they're starting off the game is just to love it is to just, you know, if you're, if you, you like it, do it. And if you're good at it, great. But if not, just love the game and, that it really helps your experience uh, moving yeah, forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Coach, what was your playing experience like in high school and in college? So, I had a diverse, a diverse, a diverse uh, playing experience. I would say I um, I played at Kickapoo High School 
mm-hmm. which um, in Missouri has been one of the top programs for as long as I can remember. I played yeah. for a um, you know Hall of Fame coach there and Coach Phillips, who um, unfortunately passed away in 2011. Um, but got to have that experience. And then ended up my senior year, I transferred to Oak Hill Academy uh, wow. in Mount Wilson, Virginia. Yeah. So really, um, my I think that was my junior year, my stepdad got me uh, and my mom got me a camp um, for Christmas. I got to go to University of North Carolina's camp. So the Christmas wow. gift camp was in June. So, wow. <laughs> so I, was, I got a little voucher for, hey, in six months, <laughs> you get to go to this camp, you know. So yeah. I went and Coach Rogers, who was the coach at Oak Hill, he was working the camp and, you know, he kind of recruited me out there. So I went out there and spent my senior season and, you know, um, I, I was used to playing at, at one of the top programs in the state, but just the, the experience of playing at Oak Hill Academy with, um, with girls from, from all over the country, um, even all over the world, you know, we had a, a girl from Hungary. My, my roommate was, I was from Missouri. My roommate was from Brooklyn. And um, we had kids on our team from LA, you know, just, just all over the country. It was a great pot, experience. Yeah. Just, yeah. Traveling the East coast, playing, um, you know, playing the, the best high school teams in the country. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I, I, I played junior college basketball actually at, at a junior college that is in the region that we play in now. My junior college coach is still there. So we play against them. And then I went out to Western Carolina university. So I had the chance to play, you know, small division one basketball, but you know, I mean, I, I had a great experience. Um, you know, I, I love basketball and that's all I wanted to do was play. Yeah. So, um, you know, not only did I, I get to do that, but I got to, um, you know, I got to build bonds and relationships with, you know, I'm, I'm still great friends with people, you know, off my team for my freshman year, you know, all the way to my senior year, I still talk to my teammates from high school. And, you know, I just think that that, that is so cool that, you know, even 10 years down the road that we're still keeping up with each other and staying in touch. But, um, you know, it's funny now as a coach because I'm going to send this podcast and make sure my college coaches listen to it because they'll <laughs> laugh. You know, even as a coach, I wasn't the easiest player to coach. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was, there were some things I had about me. I was a captain on every team that I played on. Uh, you know, I took pride in my leadership. Yeah. I was very, very competitive. Um, but I, I was a hothead. <laughs> so, you know, that's full something disclosure. that, yeah. yeah, full disclosure. I was a hothead. Um, you know, I think I, I was undersized. I was at five, three, um, you know, so I, I had a tip on my shoulder and yeah. that was what made me good, but it was also a weakness at times. I mean, they, and my, my college teammates will laugh when they hear this too, but I was that kid. I mean, I would come in, set up the gun, you know, the shooting machine, which yeah. is hard for short people. I had to <laughs> climb on it and extend the arms <laughs> and get it all the way up. And it took all that time. And I'd set it up. Yeah. If I, it started going, if I missed my first two or three shots, I'm taking the basketballs down to the other end, taking the whole gun down. <laughs> my my coaches would be like, yeah. Hannah, you know, you, you have to have some composure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was a perfectionist. And, again, I think that that is what – I don't know that I would have gotten where I did if I didn't have that, but there was also some times that it really held me back. You know, you say those things in that you expect a lot of yourself in, in those moments. So it's not like you set you went through all that trouble to set up that, that gun to just kind of like – get some shots up, you know, just stay busy in the gym. Like, now you're looking for that work. You're looking for the work exactly. that you need. And when things don't kind of line up with that and you feel like you're not doing the best you can do, uh, it shows that, no, man, you're, like you said, a perfectionist. And that's really, yeah, it propels you. It really takes you to places. Now, learning where to kind of 
not apply that is always important. But, heck, at a young age, if you're applying that, you know, I, I think any players that are listening to have that mentality of kind of a perfectionist uh, not beating yourself up afterwards, a good, healthy uh, chip on your shoulder will take you a long way. And, and obviously it did for you, Coach. So that's great. I, I, thank you for sharing those experiences because that's, uh, that's really what we want to kind of convey on the platform is like what, what took you here, what got you here, and you kind of just kind of laid it out from an early age, kind of how you got here as far as the mindset was concerned. Right, right. So, Coach, who influenced you to go into coaching? Because it's, uh, you know, sometimes really good players, they leave college, they leave high school, uh, they have some success, and the game stops, and then they got to figure out a way to stay a part of the game. Was that kind of your experience, or did somebody kind of come alongside you and say, hey, look, you were the captain, you're a leader, here's another way to lead? Yeah, some somewhat. So I think, I mean, really the my influence to coach was my love for the game. Like, to be honest, there was never an option to not be a part of the game. Yeah. Um, you know, I did. I studied communication at Western Carolina, and I was kind of playing with the idea of broadcast and things like that. But uh, but the plan was always to coach. And I can say I, I really decided my sophomore year at junior college, um, that's when I knew I was going to coach. Yeah. And I was playing for um, for Gary Cuck, who is still the head coach there, and um, you know is a is a really really close mentor of mine. And he did he made me a captain, and I mean I had all kinds of responsibilities. We joke around about it, like I was an assistant coach, you know, that year as just a player on the team. I was holding team meetings, you know, sometimes that he didn't even know about. I really kept a pulse of my team. Wow. Um, and when I felt like we weren't we weren't all you know in a good place, I would I'd go to the store, I'd buy some ice cream. You know, sometimes you had to bribe kids to show up. Yeah. Hey, nice meeting in my room everybody meet there you know and just um that's when I started doing some things like that so I was I was really fortunate to get a full-time you know coaching job I graduated in May and I started June 1st you know as a division two assistant but um for me that was always the plan so um you know I had several different influences like at Kickapoo I played for coach Stephanie Phillips who she was a hard-nosed in-your-face kind of coach it was her way or no way she'd meet you out at half court and a timeout to, to get on you um, you know, and then I went to play for, for Mike Rogers at Oak Hill, where it's, if you go to Oak Hill, it's because you take basketball seriously, you know, so he didn't do a lot of yelling and, and things like that. It was, it was teaching the game and putting in different schemes and doing things like that. I know, um, my senior year when I got out there, this is when, you know, dribble drive was really, really hot and they yeah. were just, uh, you know, releasing DVDs. He gave me the DVDs. Hey, you need to watch this. You should know this inside and out. You're the point guard. And um, so, you know, all those things I think were also kind of helping me along the way. And then, you know, when I got, when I got to college and then I was really in that leadership position and I was trying to get more out of my teammates and things like that, that's when it just took off. And I said, I know I'm going to coach. And mm-hmm. I actually went to Western Carolina because Karen Middleton, the head coach there, she had been um, an assistant under Tara Vanderveer at Stanford for a long time. So, you know, that's, I actually made my decision on where I was going to play based on who I felt like could help me put me in position and really teach me a lot. And, wow. you know, I mean, today we still run, I mean, Karen Middleton, she was really, really good X's and O's and, um, you know, taught me so much. We still run a lot of the things that we ran there um, as far as how we're doing scouting reports and learning like scouting report defense and all those kind of things. Like I learned that as a player, you know, and I still apply that in my own program. That's fantastic. I mean, it was very strategic and methodical in your approach to it. 
which is kind of, I think, every player co- uh, collegiately really has to have a uh, not just their academic goals in line, but also their athletic. Uh, and I think when you consider uh, what part of the game, like I heard this one time and it stuck with me. I heard a coach, an AU coach, really well-known on the girls' side, uh, Ray Codwell down here. Uh, coach, oh, yeah, I love Ray. Yeah, Ray's a really good yep. guy. And we were in a, we were in a meeting full of you know Division One coaches during the Final Four. And he says, you know, we need to show everybody the whole menu. We need to show these kids the whole menu, not just one aspect of just playing the game. Like there's a way to stay in this game, and we need to help them kind of plan for the future. And that stuck with me because I respect Ray, and uh, and I respect that whole idea of taking. Uh, you know, most of the kids I've ever coached have been minority, and mm-hmm. and so whether you're minority, you know, affluent. Uh, down and out, uh, up and up and in, wherever you're at. Uh, if you love the game of basketball, we need to provide you as coaches, if we're doing our due diligence, that is, uh, really yeah, the, the, whole, the whole menu. So and I appreciate you. Yeah, no, that. I totally agree. I mean, this game, it can, I, I don't, I think my grandpa, whenever he first told me when I was younger, like, hey, you have a gift with this game, you know, and, and give it everything that you have and, and get everything that you can out of it. And, you know, I think at that point he was telling, he was talking about my education and things like that because I was young. But then now yeah. I look at it like, wow, and now this is my livelihood. Yeah. But you're right. This game can do so many things for so many people. There's so many talented young men and women that can, that can continue to use this game, um, you know, going forward in, in, in their careers and not only just for their livelihood, but to make, to then pay it forward and make a difference for those kids coming up. Definitely. That's great, coach. So, Having spent time coaching at the NAIA level, Division One level, and now at the JUCO level as a head coach, how did you know those experiences help you? Uh, because then, you know when you're an assistant somewhere, you're having to help kind of uh, help that head coach fulfill their vision for the team. Uh, how did that help you kind of to run your own program now? Yeah, so I, I guess my I would say that my coaching career has been a little bit unique as well. You know, like I, I got that first coaching job, um, you know, three weeks after graduation was my first day, um, you know, and at, I was at Division II University of Missouri-St. Louis, and my first, um, my first boss, Katie Vaughn, she's still there. You know, she gave me a shot at 22 years old, and she allowed me to be um, – to be involved in every aspect of the program. So recruiting and scouts, player development. Um, I got to do a lot in practice. And, you know, that, that helped me a lot. Um, but at the end of that year, you know, I, I took over an NAIA program as the head coach at 23 years old. Yeah. So wow. I had one year to kind of, I mean, under my belt. But I was really, I was relying a lot on what Katie allowed me to do. And then I was relying a lot on my own experience as a player. You yeah. know, and I was just thinking back, like, okay, how you know, how did this work whenever I was a player? How did the program run? How did we go about doing this and doing that? Um, so those first, you know, my first two years as a head coach was a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Um, and it was a lot of calling, calling mentors, you know, calling Coach Cuck at Mineral Area, um, you know, do, doing things like that. But that's what I was, you know, kind of just figuring things out on the fly and, again, relying on my, on my experience as a player. And I think at that point it did help me that, you know, I had been at, um, I'd been at Kickapoo High School. I'd been at Oak Hill Academy. I'd played junior college. I'd been at Western Carolina. And I just kind of took everything that I liked from each of those places that I had been and tried to apply it. Um, you know, and then that after my two years at Harris Hill, when I went and spent 
um, a year as a division one assistant down in Texas. And, you know, that was where I was really just trying to continue to grow um, as a coach. I didn't, you know, just having been a, uh, an assistant one year before I became a head coach where I just had one part-time assistant, I felt like, you know, I didn't know how to manage the staff. I didn't know how to do a lot of the administrative things that you need to do as a head coach. So that was, you know, one of the main things that I really tried to soak up that year at Lamar. Obviously, I had to be a, be a part of a championship program and really just, um, you know, uh, observing Coach Harmony and, and seeing how she did things as far as delegating her staff. And then one thing that I, I, I really learned was, you know, at Lamar, we were a really dominant program, especially in our conference, yeah. and the consistency that um, that Coach Harmony showed. I mean, you know, whether we – I mean, we won a lot of conferences. We won by 20. The next day, we were right back at it. You know, it was the same practice. It was never – it was never letting up, and I just think that that was one of the reasons that um, she was able to win there the way that she did. You know, you br- you bring up something really important. I think that every coach listening kind of needs to uh, kind of key into is that what you said about kind of jumping into being a head coach at the age of twenty three. That's unreal. Like that's you know, you're there's things that you are ready for. There's things that you are ready to take on, but there's things maybe you're not prepared for, and you. You talk about kind of reaching into the your mentorship bag and calling people, and that's great because that's uh, some people think, okay, I'm a head coach now, I've made it, that's it, and and I've arrived. But it's funny how things work out sometimes, where it requires you to really kind of humble yourself again, even though you're at a position or in a position, I should say, of uh, leadership that maybe you felt like, yeah, my time has come, here it is, and I'm ready to roll with it, yet you still have to lean on people. And I think that's very important uh, for every coach listening to, to learn is that because as assistants, everybody's waiting for their shot to be on the court and, and stomp on the floor and, you know, get that kind of run. And, and, and the, you know, the uh, responsibility comes along with it all. Like you said, the administrative stuff, that's kind of, those are the details. And that's kind of the biggest thing with being a head coach is like the details are so important. And so I'm glad you shared that because it's, it's a really, like you said, a unique a journey that you've taken uh, to be where you're at now at Moberly. So, Coach, what do you do to build the culture you want for your program? You talked about your experience as a player. You know, you talked to, you know, I love ice cream. So, man, if somebody's saying, hey, let's have ice cream, let's meet. We're meeting. I don't even care what we're meeting about. Let's go. Like, you found a way to kind of get into your team's, uh, like you said, the pulse of your team. So, Coach, uh, what do you do to build the culture that you want for your program? You know, I think that a big part of um, of building culture is what you emphasize. You know, I have something in my office that, that tells me um, every day and when I look at it, your team reflects what you emphasize daily. So, you know, that can even be with small things um, that we emphasize as a team, whether that's hitting hands, we'll start that in practice and tell them, you know, who led us in that practice um, on, on touches or, or hitting hands and celebrating plays. Um you know, from a from a kind of statistical standpoint, we try to re- reward things other than points. Yeah. At the junior college level, um, sometimes you can run into some stat chasing and things like that yeah. um, as far as points go. So some things that we try to do to kind of combat that is um, start some of the dirty work things, rebounding, uh, deflection, taking charges. We, we'll uh, award a spark player after each game, and it doesn't have anything to do with scoring, just somebody that gave us a big lift. So, yeah. you know, that's a, a small piece of something that we do to try to, um, you know, just encourage that that team culture, um, and and not make it so much about 
individual. You know, I think that's something that a lot of coaches um, preach is team and family and things like that. Um, but I think without, uh, you know, without a plan, without a strategy, it's something that you really try to implement and, and live by. Yeah. I think that it's just kind of a gimmick. Yeah. You know, so um, it, it, it's nice whenever you do have, um, you know, once, once you've established your culture, you can have some returners that are able to help you enforce that. Um, you know, we, we have five good ones this year and in practice, we're not, we don't have to coach a lot of those little things like, Hey, touch the line every time, do it right. The first time be on time. Um, you know, because you get some, some leadership when you have some returners that are used to your expectations and they can help you enforce that. Um, you know, on, on my staff, I'm really fortunate to have a former player of mine, Jaleesa Mitchell, who, she was on my first team, um, that I, that I had as a head coach. She was a senior and a captain on that team. And then just to be able to have her on my staff has been, you know, invaluable. Somebody that's been there and done that um, and, and understands me and, and my flaws as well. So, you know, she's able to, you know, relate to the kids on another level and kind of help them through some things, whether they're in the doghouse at the time or, you know, whatever yeah. the case is. Yeah. But, you know, I think um, I think as coaches, again, it's something that, that we all talk about. And a lot of times people will, you know, have, have catchphrases and their important words to their culture. And it is, you know, the, the fun part is seeing your, your players buy in and, um, like I said, police that and seeing that carryover. Um, but I think that the, the reality of, of it and the, the not as enjoyable piece is the willingness to enforce that and stand up for it when, uh, you know, when it's time to. Yeah. And that's the part that's not as fun. And I think that at this, uh, at the college level so many times it's inevitably it's a kid that you've been over backwards for really went out of your way for right or a kid that you really worked hard to sign you know um that that might be you know they might not buy in all the way and I think that you have to really um you have to decide what you're going to stand for what you're going to put up with um what your limits are and then I think that you have to stand on them yeah and I think that that's one of the you know my the biggest pieces of advice that I've gotten from a mentor is, you know, don't sacrifice the standards of your program. Yeah. And especially as a young coach, you know, you, you, you want to win games. And when it's some of your better players, you're like, dang, you know, she just can't get it right. But I think that you, again, you, for your team to, to believe in you and to know that what you say is solid, that I think that there's, um, you know, sometimes there's those tough conversations and think that the, again, the willingness to, to, stand up for your culture and sometimes you have to remove you know remove pieces and um separate some kids that don't necessarily want to buy into that but i think in the long term you know it's just what's best for your team you know i'm entering my my fourth year as a head coach and you know knock on wood we've been we've been good this year but my previous three years um you know each season i've had to part ways with the kid that just just didn't get it so i think that that is um i think that that's one of the most important parts of culture is once the groundwork is set and the expectations are explained, and of course, you know, they're not going to be perfect and have some conversations, um, you know, to try to correct some things. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think being respectful, coming to practice every day and working hard and, and being a great teammate, for us, those are non-negotiable. So that's not something that I'm going to beg a kid to do too many times. Yeah, no, what you're talking about, Coach, is the holistic approach to, to, to what you want to build in the sense that it comes with the sweet and it comes with the sour as well. Not everybody is set up to uh, buy in just by virtue of their hard-headedness 
uh, their sheer will to not do something the right way and think that they're going to shape culture. But when you are doing the right things and you're implementing uh, just systems and processes, because that's really important, um, even if it comes out a little rough as far as like you talked about some critical, tough conversations you need to have, feedback. Feedback has a lot to do with that. I think all, for all of us as coaches, as players, when we get that feedback, we're understanding how much it's a gift. It's it's something that's going to help us grow. So, Coach, I really do appreciate you kind of setting all that up. It's really good. So, Coach, were there any obstacles or challenges that made you doubt your decision to coach? Um, there weren't any. There weren't any obstacles that made me doubt my decision to coach. Maybe some of the, you know, maybe decisions that I made along the way. Um, you know, I'll be transparent. Like after being a head coach. Um, for two years and experiencing some success and then wanting to go try out the division one level. So leaving my program to go be an assistant, that was a difficult year, you know, and it, not because I felt like I knew everything or, you know, I did it because I wanted to go learn more and grow as a person and as a coach, but that was just a difficult year. You know, I was used to, um, you know, I, I had ran my own program and I, um, you know, just the, the impact that I felt like I could make as a, as a head coach, and when you go to be an, an assistant, like you were saying, it's not about your vision. You're assisting someone else with their vision. So, you know, that, that was a difficult year. Um, that was my first year coaching anyways that I was, um, you know, I was down in Texas. I'm originally from Missouri. All my family was there. So, um, you know, just that, that was probably the most difficult year. But, um, you know, as far as questioning my decision to be a coach, never. Awesome. Good deal, coach. So, you talk about kind of your family. So how important is your support system uh, within kind of the grind and the, your, your career? How, how important has that uh, support system been for you? Yeah, my, you know, I think a support system is really important. Um, you know, mine is, mine is distant. My mom is actually lives down in San Antonio um, oh. by you now. Yeah. So, and then the rest of my family is in Missouri, you know, but nobody's within three hours of where I'm at now. So, you know, it's sometimes uh, support from afar. Yeah. Um, but those, you know, the good luck text messages and they're able to stream our games and, you know, seeing, seeing the text after the games, congratulating us when we do well or picking us up when we don't. Um, you know, it, it is important because, you know, in, in this profession, one thing about it is the highs are high and the lows are low. Yeah. You know, so we win a game, it almost feels like, all right, everything's right in the world. And <laughs> when, when we lose, nothing is right until we win it again, you know, until right. we win another game, you know, yeah, it just yeah. seems like, um, you know, nothing, nothing is going your way. So being able to have a support system to, to pick you up and be there for you, you know, throughout the grind of a long season, it is important. That's great coach. Uh, what advice would you give an aspiring female coach who wants to get into the profession? Because it's always kind of a, uh, it's tough to get into any profession nowadays. Uh, knowing that everybody knows somebody. But the coaching profession is even more selective and even more kind of exclusive, if you will. So how how would you kind of guide somebody who said, hey, Coach Hayden, uh, I'm really looking to get into the profession. What what can, what would you suggest that, that they do? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, for, for women and anyone in general, I mean, you got to look for any way to get your foot in the door whether that's a volunteer position, um, you know, and I've had a few people tell me like, well, that's easy for you to say you got a full-time job right out of college. And I was fortunate <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah. do that, but I also, I've seen so many, um, you know, 
other capable people, it has been hard for them to break in. So, yeah. you know, I have people call me, um, you know, all, all the time and especially in the off season and Hey, you know, what can I do? And I'll send them, you know, I I'm on Twitter and, and things like that. I might send them a position that I see open and they say only, only $15,000 a year, no. you know? And I'm like, of course I understand everybody has to make ends meet, yeah. but you know, you might have to be creative. You might, so it, you don't not apply only because you see that it's only this amount of money, yeah. uh, you know, reach out and say, is there another position that I can get on campus? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and see just, it's a lot easier to, to get, um, to get a job and to move up and move around in this profession once you're in. So it's just the hardest part is breaking in. So, you know, it might be a year or two that you might have to sacrifice and, um, you know, do some odd jobs and figure some things out, but it's easier once you are able to get your foot in the door. Um, the other piece I would say is finding those mentors, um, and don't box yourself in with who they are, because like you said, you never know who knows who. So it doesn't have to just be, you know, if you're a woman and you're trying to be on the women's side, yes, you should find a couple mentors, um, on the women's side, but find a couple mentors on the men's side. There's, you know, men's coaches are, you know, can be extremely helpful too. And they're well-connected. Um, so I think don't box yourself in with that, um, you know, expanding your network. And then with that, there's the, the WBCA. I think it's important to be involved in it. Um, you know, say, save up, you know, get your membership and get to the final four, because if you want to meet people, that's where every coach in the country is. And yeah. I just think that that's a huge opportunity to, um, you know, to expand your network and meet people and you never know what, where it will lead. Yeah. Um, but the other part specifically for women, I think is don't limit yourself. You know, if you want it, go get it. We have so many women right now that are breaking barriers with Becky Hammond with the Spurs. Yeah. Coach G from Cal Berkeley just got on with the Cavs. Miel yeah. Ivey from Notre Dame going to Memphis. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Anisha Curry is a, is a full-time men's assistant at the University of Maine. So there's so many women that are breaking barriers. So I think just don't succumb to being put in a box. Um, you know, be, be confident in the value that you can add. Which, with that, I think diversify yourself. Um, you know, just with the things that you're able to do, especially getting your foot in the door at a low, at lower level. You know, if you can do marketing, um, if you're really good with social media and that can add to what you can bring as a coach, that makes you a little bit more valuable. So I think trying to add value in any way that you can. Um, but again, don't, don't, uh, don't succumb to like stereotypical thinking. You know, I like what you said earlier. There's not a big difference between men and women's perspective. Like I know that I've been a head coach. I've had a few people, oh yeah, you hired a men's assistant good to have a male perspective on your staff, isn't it? And I just, you know, I reject that kind of thinking. I think it insinuates yeah. something that has no place in women's basketball. Yeah, um, very true. So, you know, I just think I, I have a male on my, on my staff right now because I hired the person that best fit our needs in that role yeah. and was most qualified. It didn't have anything to do, um, you know, with anything else. So, um, you know, and as women, a lot of times, sorry, I'm going to try to not get on this soapbox, but ah, as ahead. women, a lot of times, you know, when we're fiery and we're getting after the ref or whatever, you know, then we're emotional, but if men yeah. do it, the ref probably made a bad call, you know, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. So I just think as long as you, um, as long as you are, are putting in the work to have that confidence and you, um, trying to think how to word it. You, you have to, you have to have the confidence that you're just as capable, yeah. you know? And again, like with all these women that are breaking barriers and getting in these positions and, um, and having so much success, 
I just think that we have to continue to elevate and we do have to continue to reject that way of thinking, men's yeah. perspective, women's perspective, you know, because men were never sitting around thinking, hey, we need a woman's perspective on our bench. <laughs> exactly. They just finally became open to yeah. allowing those those basketball minds um, to, to be on their staff because they bring something of value. It's not their, their woman's intuition. It's their knowledge of the game. So I just think that as women, we have to hold people accountable for that. Yeah, you're saying a whole lot. That's so much truth. And I think society kind of needs to wake up as well. And, and I'm not going to get on a soapbox either, but uh, it, this is my this is my podcast, so I can no. Uh, I, I just I just really feel like there's a there's a misconception that uh, okay, guys, men get get in touch with your feminine side. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have a feminine side. Like I, I just don't. And, and women, you need to man up. And like, well, where would you even go there? Like. We're all individuals. We're all human beings. We can think for ourselves. Uh, we, we, we're independent in thought. We're critical thinkers. All those things, right? Uh, and if we're supposed to be doing what we're supposed to do and we're prepared, uh, then we should all, regardless of gender, be able to get the job done. If, Like you said, we're qualified. Like you said about the, the gentleman you hired on, uh, Coach Young. Uh, yeah, what's his his perspective is, is a perspective of a basketball coach, not a man. Exactly. And so that's that's great, Coach. I, I really do appreciate you saying that because, you know, those are the things that people have to look at when it comes to the game of basketball, when it comes to coaching, when it comes to interpersonal type of relationships and, and dealing with people. Is This is a people business. And if you think everybody has to look like you, talk like you, act like you to be a part of what you're doing, you lost already. You, you lost. Absolutely. In, you lost in so many ways. Forget exactly <laughs> in basketball and beyond. Yeah. So, coach, I, I really do appreciate you saying that because that does kind of light a fire under me as well. Be be here again. Being the father of four four girls, uh, I don't want nobody to put my daughter and my daughters in a box like, oh, you're a female or you're you know your perspective or you're like you talked about. You're fiery. You know. You're emotional. Like men are the most emotional creatures on earth. Uh, and we get credit for it, and it's weird. So, yeah, I, I hear you 100%. So, Coach, you know, kind of going through, you know, kind of everything you talked about, there has to have been some sacrifices along the way that you've made. And so what were some of those sacrifices that you made to be where you're at today? You know, I think for the most part, they're, they're you know, they're just on a, on a personal level. Um, I know all coaches talk about this, but family, you know, you, you miss holidays, you miss events that can make you, you know, feel isolated at times because, you know, your family, uh, you know, they're, they're living life all the time, you know, and a lot of times that you're not there, you know, so when you do go home and then you see, you know, little cousins, nieces, nephews, your siblings and stuff, and everybody's, you know, six months or a year or a year and a half older than when you saw them last time or, (laughs) you know, and it's just, you know, time, time continues to go. So that was one thing that, again, I think it did make my year um, in Texas challenging because, with so much of my family being in Springfield and my, the influence that my grandparents had on me, um, you know, and I wanted to, to be able to spend more time with them. You know, those, my grandparents and my mom, you know, they sacrificed so much for me um, growing up to play basketball and to take me everywhere and, you know, time and money and things like that. And then, you know, now that, that I am older and coaching, I just wanted to be, you know, d- driving distance so I could go, go see my grandparents on a weekend and, um, and spend some time with them. So that's something yeah. that I'm working on, but I think that that part, you know, has probably been, been the biggest sacrifice. And then I just think in general, like, you know, my, my twenties, still in my twenties, but, you know, yeah. being a head coach at the age of 23, like that was, 
um, you know, just sacrificing some personal things, you know, as far as doing things with your, your friends, you can't do the same thing that other, uh, you, you know, your friends that they just got out of college too. You're not doing the same things. I remember when I was at here, so my friends and I went to a concert and some of my players are there and I'm like, okay, you know, it's over, you know, you just can't keep doing the same things. You have to separate yeah. yourself. So, yeah. um, you know, you got, you have to, you have to live a little bit different and, you know, it can even be, you know, those, those six, seven months out of the year from when preseason starts until, um, until March, you know, you're just, you're, you're, you are sacrificing all of that. Um, you know, your friends getting together on, on new years or something like that. That's just not something that I'm able to do. So yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way, but that is a personal sacrifice. Yeah. You know, those, uh, you're sacrificing kind of the personal stuff, but you're investing into your players and into the cause and the mission and the goal and everything that you've uh, kind of set out to do. I mean, everybody has goals and they set them, but not everybody does anything about it. And doing something about it isn't just kind of getting off the couch. I mean, it's the first step, I guess. Uh, right. But, but there comes a time where time's always on time. And time's very valuable. And if you're willing to give up that time, then it's an investment. Uh and I think that's that's kind of what you're talking about. So that's great, Coach. Um, so I'm going to ask you the question that I always ask about legacy because, here again, you've got a long career left. Uh, you know, in 2017, you were recognized as a as one of the 30 under 30 with the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, which is big time. That's not just something that you kind of take lightly and say, oh, wow, 30 under 30, cool. It, it kind of goes together, 30 under 30, wow. It's really something that uh, I think – as coaches, we never look for that recognition, but once you get it, you know, there's a, there's kind of a different standard maybe than you have for you, for yourself. Uh, you know, what you've done at the different levels uh, of coaching, having been a head coach at 23, now here you are as a head coach at, at Moberly Area Community College. Uh, what would you want as a working legacy when you, when you kind of go through your day-to-day and you think about the future? What would you kind of want your legacy to look like? So a few months ago, I found, um, I was moving and I found in a box, like some notes that I took my first year, um, as a coach at a coach's clinic. And it, one of the speakers had asked in 20 years from now, what do you want your players to say about you? Yeah. And, you know, this is, I had coached, this is before season and everything, but I just wrote that, um, that she really cares and that she didn't let anything slide. Yeah. And when I saw that, you know, now I'm entering my sixth year and I just think, that's that's still that's still exactly how I would answer that question. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something that I strive for every day. So of course, you know, the the caring part, I care about the relationship that I build with them. You know, I lose sleep over these kids whenever I feel like that they're not in a good place. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't mind telling our kids that I love them. Um, uh, you know, I want them to know that I'll help them with anything. You know, that's when they're playing for me and beyond. You know, the relationships that I have with former players are just as important. You know, they text me and they they get a new job or they have an interview coming up or, um, you know, I even have, have players having kids now and just being able to, to be involved with that. I mean, that, that has to be number one. I think if it's not, then you need to, you know, evaluate what you're doing in this business. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, the part about letting nothing slide, um, you know, something that we, we teach to our kids is how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. So, right. yep. you know, I just think that it's, it's so important, um, you know, cause we're, we're trying to we're trying to win games and compete for championships, but more importantly, we're developing young people for what's to come. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, 
I, I, I don't let anything slide by, you know, even how they come in the gym or how they're shooting around before practice. When we come into the huddle, if I don't feel like something's right with their body language. I mean, I'm, I'm on them like that from the very beginning. You know, we tell our kids, like, you know, it doesn't matter what I might have woke up, woke up late or my car wouldn't start or whatever. When I get to work, I can't have an attitude. My boss is not going to be impressed with that. So right now you might have to run. But in real life, you know, that that can affect, um, you know, the way that you move up the ladder or even having your job and different things like that. So those habits and, and things like that are what we're trying to instill. So, um, you know, from a from a big picture like that and even just little daily habits, you know, that I I laugh at myself sometimes because I'll be in the weight room and I'll like do my last rep and it wasn't perfect. I set the weights down. I said, pick them back up, Hannah. Don't cheat yourself. <laughs> you know, and those are things that I took from coaches and it's just ingrained yeah, in me. Yeah. So I just think that if we can ingrain that, those same type of habits and that same way of thinking and not accepting anything less than your best. Uh, and again, it, it starts with us not accepting anything less than their best because we know what it is and we demand yeah. it out of them every day. Um, you know, I just think that not only does it does it help us now, but more importantly, it just helps them helps them down the road. So, uh, you know, another one of my favorite quotes is, you know, life is about um, life is not about accumulation; it's contribution. So, yeah. of course, we want to continue. We we want to win games. We want to win champ- championships, and we do want to accumulate those things. But I don't want that to be what defines me. I want it to be my contribution in in the lives of my players. Coach, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Uh, you know, everything, you know, the platform is set up as such that coaches can come in and just kind of let it rip. And I think that's what you've done. And so I really do appreciate that because uh, every coach who listens in, because we have a good number of coaches that listen in, uh, I know gain something from this. I know it's a value. We talked about adding value. And and I know every single episode that we do is adding value to somebody's, uh, you know, mindset, career, what have you. And so here again, coach, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for, you know, for doing what you do. I've, I've been able to gain a lot from the episodes that I've listened to. So I truly appreciate it. Thank you, coach. Thank you for listening to the creative coaching podcast. Know that you are appreciated. So please take the time to listen to us on anchor, Apple podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter at CreativeCoach47. Here again, all of this I thank you for. Please leave a rating, subscribe, follow, leave feedback. Uh, This is your platform. So, you know, take ownership of it. And here again, you are appreciated. So thank you.